Hello, and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as a power of process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, your physical health, or even help connect some dots and help you shift your mental and emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohn, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of alchemical essential oil remedies designed to return you to optimal mental, physical, and emotional balance. You can find out more about me and my company at vibrantblueoils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. I'm your host, Jody Cohen, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Dr. Marco Ruggiero, who has performed research in molecular biology since 1983. You look much younger than that. <laughs> Publishing more than 240 scientific articles, including a study sponsored by a Nobel laureate. He has worked at, I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Burroughs Welcome Company, the National Cancer Institute of the United States and has been a full professor of molecular biology at the University of Firenze, Italy until his retirement in 2014. He has found a company for advanced research in the field of probiotics and national nutrition in Switzerland where he directs innovative research and I'm so excited that you are here today to help us talk about probiotics in rebalancing the parasympathetic system. So I'm going to let you take over the screen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jody. And uh, I wish to say hello to all the attendees. And uh, I have prepared a, a PowerPoint slide presentation that will help me following uh, some kind of logic discourse. But of course, since we are in this informal setting, please feel free to interrupt me at any moment, anytime that something doesn't sound too clear. So I will start by sharing the screen. So that's the title of my slide. No reason to waste time in reading the title. You're able to read it with a much better pronunciation than mine. However, I'd like to read this advisory because I think it's important to remind that no information in this talk is presented by myself as medical advice. And of course, I always recommend to follow standards of care for any pathology, as well as rules and regulations established by health authorities of each country. I hope that somebody will look at this presentation even from other parts of the world, so be certain not to run into troubles. I also like to disclose my conflict of interest because, as Jody said, I founded a Swiss company. I am the inventor of a number of supplements and I've developed the approaches and the products that will be described in this study. And however, in order to avoid any bias, the results that I present today were obtained by independent laboratories in Germany and Belgium. So in, we try to guarantee the greatest objectivity. The key points that will be covered in this talk uh, are the role of probiotics in rebalancing the parasympathetic nervous system. And I don't know if you are aware, but we have four brains, not only the one that we have inside our heads, but three more of them and two of them are not human. I also like to talk about the role of uh, immune system modulators produced by probiotics and in particular GCMAF, that is the GC protein derived macrophage activating factor and how they protect the central nervous system. And finally, a brief mention about a detoxification of the brain through probiotics and immune system modulation. This is now, fabulous, thank you, I can't wait. Uh, we have four brains, or as they say in Spanish in this interview that they published a couple of years ago, Tenemos Cuatro Cerebros. We have four brains. So let's take a quick look at these fourth brains of ours, and maybe we find something that is amazing. Brain number one, the brain that is inside our heads that has been studied for centuries. This is a very old drawing published in 1543, and you know the anatomy is still there, it is still valid. So we usually, when we think about brain, we think about this one, the one that is inside here, our skull. 
Uh, can we do without our brain? Uh, well, uh, yes, apparently we can. Uh, this was published in The Lancet, so uh, arguably one of the most prestigious uh, uh, medical science uh, journals in the world in 2007, and uh, ne never retracted, never disproved. I mean, it's absolutely real. Here we can see the skull of a man, of a man without brain, essentially only fluid, only liquid. The brain is this very little, uh, if any, uh, thin uh, slice here. So essentially, uh, the brain here is uh, absent for about 90%. Nevertheless, uh, this guy is performing very well. He's a white collar <laughs> worker. Uh, he works uh, at the uh, office of the uh, French IRS, the tax office in Marseille. He drives, he has children, he's doing excellently well without the brain or almost without the brain inside his head. So apparently we can do without our first brain. What about the second brain? The second brain is distributed along the gut. It is called the enteric nervous system. Essentially, are these white things. These are neurons, cells of the brain that are in the thickness of the walls of the GI tract. And these neurons are very many indeed. And the enteric nervous system has been described as a second brain for a number of reasons. First of all, it can operate autonomously. So when we talk about gut feelings, it's just more than a metaphor because actually we have a brain inside our gut, in the, uh, inside the walls of our GI tract. Now, uh, here comes uh, the topic of today's talk, the parasympathetic nervous system, because uh, the second brain normally communicates with the central nervous system or first brain, if you prefer, through the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic system, and also through the sympathetic system through the prevertebral ganglia. Now, uh, this communication is bidirectional. So it is well true that when we are anxious, our gut is moving maybe too fast because what's inside our heads influences what is inside our guts. But it's also true the other way around. Uh, because uh, the communication is bidirectional, the functioning of our gut, of, our, the, of the brain inside our gut, also influences uh, the functioning of the brain inside our, inside our heads. However, this uh, second brain is uh, uh, truly a second brain because if you cut, uh, in experimental models, of course, uh, the vagus nerve, the enteric nervous system continues to function autonomously. So it's a truly a second brain. Now, what about the third brain? Third brain actually was a word that I coined. I even wrote a book about the third brain a few years ago. And the third brain is constituted by the human microbiota. That is all the microbes we have in all our body from the skin or into the gut, of course, into the airways, everywhere. Uh, we should know by now that we are only 10% or even only 1% human if you go to some uh, learning centers. So this is uh, the Genetic Science Learning Center of the University of Utah. Uh, says uh, very clearly that microbes are everywhere, and uh, these microscopic form uh, of lives uh, represent uh, thousands of species, and they outnumber our own human cells by about ten to one. So, whatever number of human cells we have, we have ten times more microbial cells in our bodies. But if you if we look at genes. Uh, we have about 22,000 human genes and about 100 times or maybe more uh, bacterial, microbial genes in our body. So we're only 10% or even 1% human. All the rest of the biological information is microbial. As uh, this uh, science center tells us, the vagus nerve uh, runs between the gut and the brain, carrying information in both directions. That's important. There is no primacy. Uh, this, this is not the lydic brain. All the brains are interconnected. They have equal importance in the functioning of our bodies and our minds. And we know that stimulation of the vagus nerve is sometimes used to treat depression. And they ask uh, rhetorically, could future treatments for anxiety and depression involve manipulating gut microbes? And here comes the question. And the question is, who is manipulating who? Because, uh, or whom? Uh, because if you go and look uh, to scientific articles, uh, you even find uh, that uh, gastrointestinal microbiota is manipulating us. 
the title is very clear, is eating behavior, it is, it is our human eating behavior manipulated by the gastrointestinal microbiota. And uh, here it reads uh, that uh, uh, microbes in the gut manipulate host, that is our eating behavior to increase their fitness, sometimes at the expense of host fitness. But because microbiota are easily manipulatable, uh, because we can uh, introduce prebiotics, probiotics, antibiotics, fecal transplants, dietary changes, then we can manipulate those who manipulate us. So it becomes recursive, becomes very, very interesting. As a matter of fact, experimental evidence suggests that uh, the microbes do truly influence our behavior. Uh, they, for example, this is a mycobacterium vaccae in a mice, an experiment, and those mice that receive the diet rich in this probiotic, if you want to call it so, they had reduced anxiety and improved performance in a maze test. So it took them a shorter time to exit from the maze, from the labyrinth, and they had less anxiety. They were performing much, much better. Think about you know, driving in a congested city. It would be much better if you could have less anxiety and find your way out of congestion, not to mention if you are in a combat environment in a Stalingrad-like situation, uh, it would be much uh, uh, useful, much more useful to have less anxiety and to perform better. So uh, microbes, they do influence our brains, our minds, our performances. Another paper, oh, and uh, I'm showing you papers that are not very recent for a reason, because all this information has been sedimented, has been approved, uh, has never been retracted, actually it has been enriched. Voices from within, gut microbes and the central nervous system, still again through the vagus nerve, through the parasympathetic system. And uh, they here highlight the role of the vagus nerve, uh, writing the vagus nerve has also emerged as an important means of communication signals from gut bacteria to the first brain. And uh, uh, here they suggest that there is a potential for microbial-based therapeutic strategies to aid in the treatment of mood disorders. So hopefully in the future, no longer psychoactive drugs, but psychoactive probiotics. Actually, they are called psychobiotics. So uh, yogurts-like things that influence or rebalances our mood and again, through the working of the vagus system. And this was for the third brain. How about a fourth brain? Well, the fourth brain is actually the brain microbiota, that is the microbes that are inside our brains. And actually, I was the first <coughs> to coin these words, brain microbiota. And this is a scientific article I published in 2016. You can retrieve it from PubMed. And it is the first, very first time that the words brain microbiota are mentioned in science. However, I was not the one uh, to first identify microbes inside our brains. This derives from research performed a few years ago in 2013 by uh, mainly Canadian researchers who found that in the brains of perfectly healthy individuals, you can find microbes. And you can find the common microbes that you find in the soil and water. Essentially, these microbes that form what today is called brain microbiota, they reach the brain through the immune system. Essentially, you eat, drink, breathe microbes because our food, our water, our air, of course, is not sterile. Hopefully, it is free of pathogens, but there are microbes everywhere. And they go essentially in our guts. From the guts, they go up into the brain because they are carried by cells of the immune system that are activated lymphocytes and macrophages. So essentially, our gut, uh, the uh, third brain, and our uh, brain microbiota, the fourth brain, are connected through uh, the immune system. Uh, cells like macrophages, they continuously uh, move uh, toward the brain and from the brain through the lymphatic vessels that are in our necks. And so they continuously recirculate and balance the two microbial populations. Now, 
we have now uh, bacteria and yeast and microbes in our brains. What do they do? Well, according to these authors, their capacity for influencing brain function is nothing less than immense. So immense, I think in English uh, and in many other languages is a superlative. So there is nothing bigger than immense. And they say that the influence of these microbes that we have normally in our brains on our functioning is immense. And also, and this is very interesting, it is quite possible that the presence of microbes inside our brains is responsible for the evolution of our brains. Why? Because when they checked for microbes in other mammals, they only found them in primates, in uh, monkeys, apes, and humans, not in cats and dogs and other mammals. So it could be argued that the functioning of our brains, the evolution of our brains is or may be also due to the presence of these microbes that you do not find in other mammals. Uh, we did an experiment a few years ago. Essentially, we took some human neurons and put them in a Petri dish. So you can see here the border of a Petri dish. And these little things here are human neurons. And you see, they sit there, they are, quite well, I mean, they don't do anything in particular. You can see uh, these elongations, these are called uh, neurites or axons, are those that in our brains and in all our brains, they form connections and it is through these circuits or webs of connections that consciousness and intelligence, whatever it is, arise. So look at this, this is the way neurons behave when they're put in a petri dish. Essentially, they don't do anything, they survive, they seem to be happy. Now, if you put in this same petri dish, together with these neurons, microbes, like the same microbes you can find in a probiotic yogurt, of course, we used what we had and what we knew, so we use our product. Now look at what happens. First of all, where are the microbes? The microbes are these very, very little tiny dots. You see, they are scattered all over the Petri dish, all these uh, tiny dots everywhere, everywhere. But look at the neurons, what they've done. They have formed circuits. So they have rearranged their shapes and they have rearranged their elongations. Actually, they've also proliferated. So you have more neurons than before. So you just compare this slide uh, here each neuron is for itself and here the neurons they form a circuit you can easily identify a bigger circuit and then smaller like a bypass because you know we, we never think in a circular way we think in many ways so uh, you see here the formation of a web of connection that is a typical of a neural neural or neuronal uh, circuit or web so to uh, um, summarize this first part of my talk, so we have four brains. They are closely integrated and they are integrated through the parasympathetic system, vagus nerve. Two of these brains that comprise the majority of cells are not human and their influence on the human counterpart is immense. The microbes probably were instrumental in the evolution of our first brain. In one inside our heads. And uh, as of today, we have to consider microbes as a cells of the brain, just like uh, the neurons or the glial cells. Microbes, they manipulate our will for their purposes, but we can manipulate our microbial composition. So it's a recursive, and if we do things well, both the microbial population and our uh, human cell population, they have benefit from this interaction. Microbes are responsible for the balance of the parasympathetic system, and we will talk about this in the next couple of slides. And the immune system is the connection between the four brains. So uh, if I may, I would like to <coughs> highlight how the microbes are responsible for the balance of the parasympathetic system. Well, uh, there are many, many uh, scientific articles, peer-reviewed scientific articles demonstrating this. I found in Frontiers of Neuroscience, one of the most prestigious and credible journals in science, an entire research topic, six articles dealing exactly with this topic. 
the vagus nerve at the interface between the microbiota gut-brain axis. Actually, this was published by researchers from Grenoble in France, near Mont Blanc, a beautiful place. And uh, you can go and read all these papers are available for free. You can download them for free. But essentially, there is a, a universal consensus that it is the vagus nerve that connects the function of the second brain, the third brain, and the brains that are inside our heads. And uh, as I said before, when I mentioned the paper with the mycobacterium vaccae, essentially, uh, if we have the proper array of microbes in our guts, in our brains, then the parasympathetic system is naturally stimulated. Of course, we can stimulate the vagus nerve with a number of uh, devices, electrical devices, or even with manual uh, massage, but in this case, it is probably the most natural way of stimulating, or I prefer to say balancing the parasympathetic activity. Uh, let me take a look, let me show you how we studied together with Dr. Klinger, Dr. Schaffner, the vagus nerve. Because, you know, usually we look at the vagus nerve in drawings, like uh, old anatomical drawings like this, but we can see it in a live individual. And actually, we published this in this paper published together with Dr. Klingert in the American Journal of Immunology, entitled The Ruggiero Klingert Protocol for Diagnosis and Treatment of Chronic Conditions. In that case, with particular focus on Lyme disease, then we published other articles with focus on autism and other conditions. So essentially, this is the way the vagus nerve looks at ultrasonography. This figure comes from that paper. So it's uh, uh, shaped like a triangle. This is an axial uh, section. So the vagus nerve is something long, elongated. But if you cut, uh, if you, like if you cut a slice of something, then you see it like this. And actually you can study what is happening inside, the flow of signals. And you can study whether the parasympathetic uh, system through the vagus nerve is working properly or not. Uh, after this paper, I think about one year ago, we published another paper. Uh, this one was authored by Dr. Pacini and myself, uh, still in the American Journal of Immunology, where we were able to measure uh, what are called quantum signals flowing through the nerves. So uh, now this might become very complicated and I don't want it to be uh, too boring, but uh, you probably have heard about quantum biology, quantum entanglement, the spooky action at distance, uh, as it was mentioned by Albert Einstein. Now, all these things uh, that look, uh, sounds very exotic or maybe confined to the realm of physics of uh, subparticles things. No, uh, they occur in our bodies and this is pretty well assessed. And now we can measure these things. We can study these things with a common ultrasonography system. And uh, these are the signals flowing through the nerves. And uh, some of them, they are uh, doublets, uh, two things that are uh, the same like this, uh, this uh, typically entangled quantum entanglement signal. Uh, these are not, uh, this is yes, uh, this is not, uh, this is not. So by studying uh, this uh, sort of information flowing through the nerves in live individuals, I think this was my nerve. Uh, I don't remember whether it was my nerve or the nerve of Dr. Pacini, one of the two. Uh, so now we can study the flow of quantum signals uh, through the nerves. Uh, this would take a completely another long, hour-long talk. Just to give you a hint, these things are doable, are not exotic, can be done with very little expense in slightly more than five or ten minutes. Let's move to the uh, other topic, uh, the immune system, and how does it connect the four brains. Now, the uh, macrophages are the key elements of the immune system that connect the four brains. Therefore, if we want to rebalance the four brains, if we want to naturally stimulate the vagus nerve, we need at the same time to rebalance the microbiota with healthy microbes. And this is relatively easy because we have formulas of probiotics that reproduce the healthy human core microbiota. But at the same time, we have to stimulate or activate macrophages so that they can transfer the information from the gut to the brain. So that's why uh, many times, uh, if you use one, only one of the two approaches, it doesn't work. So you can 
reconstitute the gut microbiota with good probiotics, but if you do not activate macrophages, they simply stay there. Of course, they do a lot of good uh, in the gut, but they do not influence the brain function. Uh, Can I, I, I really want to make sure we land on that. So what you're saying is you, you can't do one or the other. You have to do both in combination. If you want uh, uh, to rebalance the gut and the brain microbiota, you have to do both in combination because otherwise the good microbes, they stay in the gut. They do a lot of good in the gut, no doubt, but they do not go up uh, into the brain and they do not rebalance uh, the, the two populations unless uh, you stimulate macrophages. But this is true also the other way around. If you only stimulate the immune system without reconstituting the microbiota, of course, you improve the functioning of the immune system and this is good in and by itself, but you do not balance the two populations. So you have to do both at the same time, possibly with one single solution and that's uh, what we did. Uh, we began working on macrophages in 1990, a long time ago, when I was working at the National Cancer Institute of the NIH. This is the paper we published in August 1990. This is myself. And uh, 20 years later, uh, since uh, 2011, we developed a novel approach to produce a natural GCMAF, macrophage activating factor, natural, not chemical, not pharmacological. Uh, by fermenting milk and colostrum at first, so making a sort of a yogurt or kefir, and later, since uh, not everybody is happy with dairies, uh, to do the same uh, fermenting non-dairy products like uh, hemp seed proteins or free juice. The goal was, and still is, to exploit the synergies between macrophage activation by GCMF and the reconstitution of the healthy microbiome so to help rebalance the four brains with one single shot. In a very recent article that was published a few weeks ago, we demonstrated that actually the GCMF activity against the nagalase, an enzyme that decreases the function of the immune system, in our product is 100 times more than chemical or purified GCMF. Now, these experiments were performed by an independent laboratory, the Red Laboratories from Belgium. I take the opportunity to thank Dr. Tanya Mihatovic for producing these results. The experiments were performed in vitro, so no variable, no confounding variable. In the test tubes, there were only human nagalase, that is the enzyme that destroys the GCMF or the precursor of GCMF and our product. And uh, so this is uh, the article uh, published in the American Journal of Immunology. Uh, you can download this article for free. Together, it was published together with Dr. Michael Carter, who actually is the first author. Uh, these are the histograms, the columns, demonstrating that at all times, from time zero up to 72 hours, our product was hundredfold more potent in inhibiting nagalase or binding nagalase than purified the GCMF. Again, uh, I, I realize it's very biochemical, very boring, at least for me. <laughs> but this is to say that we can naturally produce uh, a probiotic that is also rich in macrophage activating factor. And it is uh, so rich that it is 100 times uh, richer than purified GCMF. Uh, why it is so more active? Because it is its own environment, GCMF is associated with vitamin D3, fatty acids, glycosaminoglycans, such as chondroitin sulfate. All these are normal constituents of milk and colostrum and also other media uh, that we, I describe later. And actually, this is something rather old because it is since 2013 that we propose a molecular model describing, describing how this thing works. Also, this paper can be downloaded for free. And it describes why GCMF together with all the other components is so more active. But there is also something else that adds complexity to an already complex situation, uh, phages or bacteriophages. Uh, bacteriophages uh, or phages are viruses. And in the, this time of the year, uh, talking about viruses uh, and friendly viruses might sound somehow ironic, but these are truly friendly viruses <clears throat> because uh, the phages are the 
Viruses that kill the bad bugs, if you want to call them so, and actually phage therapy has been heralded for 150 years. It has always been used in the former uh, Russia, uh, Soviet Union, Republic of Russia today, and it is being rediscovered in Western medicine as well. Now, in our products, we have phages, and we have published papers on this, in this uh, bioarchive, and also in this uh, uh, Journal of Neurology and Stroke. Uh, all these papers that I'm mentioning, uh, they are accessible for free. And essentially, these phages, uh, they produce proteins that stimulate the immune system, and so they add up to the action of GCMF. And this is not a surprise because it is well known that phages modulate the immune system, activate macrophages, help fighting infection, and exert anti-inflammatory actions. <clears throat> Apologize. Uh, words from an article published by scientists from Belgium, California, Poland, and Australia read, phages also impact immunity directly in ways that are typically anti-inflammatory. Phages can modulate innate immunity via phagocytosis, that is they stimulate the macrophages to eat uh, all uh, poisonous toxins, uh, bad bugs, whatever. And they also impact uh, adaptive immunity via effects on antibody production and effector polarization. Complex words to say that phages, they truly help our immune system in a very natural and positive way. And as uh, this paper, uh, this figure from this paper clearly demonstrates, macrophages are at the center of the action of phages. And uh, they say, and it is absolutely true, independent of the route of administration, that is, if you eat phages with our products, phages, they enter the bloodstream and tissues and encounter immune cells in the blood. And here you see the macrophages are at the center of this very complex network of interactions between all the cells of the immune system from neutrophils to natural killer cells. At the same time, we have our GCMF and GCMF-like proteins produced by phages that stimulate the macrophages. So we have the perfect storm or maybe the perfect combination to stimulate the immune system through phages, macrophages, at the same time rebalancing the gut microbiota. And now let me move toward the end of this presentation and then I'm open for all types of questions. Uh, hemp seed proteins. We have found a way, and that's a proprietary procedure, I am not aware of any other way to do this, to ferment hemp proteins in order to uh, combine the effects of reconstituting the healthy core human microbiome with the effects of fermented hemp proteins. Now, if you take hemp seeds, you don't find any THC, you don't find any CBD, you only find proteins, edestin, 60-80%, and albumin, the rest. Just go to Wikipedia, uh, not a reliable sources for many things, but reliable for this one. Edestin has a unique ability to stimulating the manufacturing process of antibodies, so it stimulates the immune system. It is similar to serum globulins, that is the protein we have in our plasma. And the biologically active protein of edestin is metabolized in the human body, and it is capable of synthesizing hormones, hemoglobin, uh, for the transport of oxygen in blood, enzymes, and antibodies. So, uh, edestin is a protein with immunological properties, and once we ferment it, actually we obtain vegetable GCMF. Uh, this is the way uh, we do science in these days, uh, so-called in silico, that is through a computer experiment. Essentially, we uh, compared the amino acid sequence of uh, edestin and of uh, the precursor of GCMF human, vitamin D binding protein, and all these uh, uh, indigo uh, squares indicate areas of similarity. To make it short, we were able to produce vegetable GCMF from fermentation of hemp seed proteins. If you want to look at the details, uh, this article of ours, uh, fermentation of hemp seed proteins leads to formation of peptides that share sequence of similarity with the human vitamin D binding protein, that is the precursor of GCMF was published in Medical Research Innovation 2020, just a few weeks ago, and you can read all the details. Uh, as I said, we were able to produce hemp-derived vegetal GCMF. 
And now very uh, last two slides, detoxification of the brain through probiotics and immune modulation. Also these, like everything else I've said in this talk, has been scientifically proven. I don't like to talk about things that have not passed the peer review process, have not been published in peer review articles. So do we have scientific evidence that by reconstituting uh, the gut microbiota, the brain microbiota, by stimulating naturally the vagus nerve and by stimulating naturally the immune system, do we have evidence that all this leads to actual detoxification because we are unfortunately exposed to a number of toxins, uh, metals, non-metal toxins of all types uh, from the chlorophenate to agent orange and everything else that unfortunately is present in our polluted world. So do we have scientific evidence? And the answer is yes. Actually, this was published <coughs> uh, two or three years ago in the Madrid Journal of Immunology. And it is co-authored by a retired medical doctor for, from Indianapolis, USA, Dr. Blighty, myself and Dr. Pacini. And actually, what did we see? Uh, this doctor, uh, for a number of reasons that you can easily read in that paper, was exposed uh, during his long uh, life uh, to a number of uh, toxicants, uh, from uh, monethylphthalate uh, to hydroxybutyric acid, perchlorate, uh, uh, agent orange, and so on. So unfortunately, and, and these are uh, lab data that he obtained independently of us, of course. So before any treatment, uh, his body was unable to eliminate all these toxins. So essentially what they did, they measured the, all these toxicants in the urine and they found this value. Now, in three months of reconstituting his gut and brain microbiota and in naturally stimulating his immune system through the strategies that I've explained thus far, you can see that the rate of excretion, the rate of elimination of all these toxins is greatly increased from 1,900 something to 3,300 something, from 4,000 to 7,000, from non-detectable, that is, it was unable to eliminate this N-acetylphenylcysteine to detectable from 70 to 135. So each one with a different rate, but this uh, clearly showed, and then of course we have other cases that we have published and we are also in the process of publishing, but this has been sedimented, this has been there for now a few years. So uh, with this approach, you actually eliminate uh, whatever toxicants that are present in your body, whether inside your brain or in other parts of the body. Now, this was the last slide. I know I talked too much because I took the entire 40 minutes. So that was the maximum time limit allowed. But for, I want for you will go long. I have I have a couple questions. And I'm here to answer your question. I think we don't need to share the screen any longer and we can go back to full size picture. Well, first of all, thank you. That was oh, fascinating. You. And I loved all of the latest research. I want to make sure that everyone kind of lands on what you shared because I think it's fabulous. So the, the main points that I took away is that we have a microbiome not only in our gut, but also in our brain. And they speak to each other through the vagus nerve. And if we can help the vagus nerve through the immune system carry the healthy microbiome from the gut to the brain, we can help... Um, activate better things in the brain and also detoxify the brain. Did I get that right? That's absolutely correct. Also, I didn't mention because that was the object of three or four talks I gave with Dr. Schaffner at the Sophia Health Institute, the role of the brain lymphatic system, uh, that is uh, uh, the lymphatic system that helps the brain eliminating uh, whatever toxins, metabolites are there, runs through our necks, next, exactly next to the vagus nerve, so with some approaches uh, together that we developed together with Dr. Schaffner and Dr. Klingart, like the Sophia flow cream, we can help the flow of lymph from the brain. So further help uh, the elimination of toxins, uh, viruses, uh, and whatever unwanted is in our brains. So it's a bi-directional communication. Uh, we want to stimulate uh, the vagus nerve, the immune system, 
and rebalance the uh, microbiota. And if we can do the, these three actions at the same time, all the better. Yeah, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the neck and how the lymphatic system and the vascular system kind of interact with the vagus nerve, how those can help and hinder each other, and how we can um, work with your flow cream and other products to kind of improve com bidirectional communication. Yes, well, uh, until uh, I think it was uh, 2014 or 2015, it was a thought that the brain was kind of isolated from the rest of the immune system. Uh, then it was discovered uh, by researchers in Virginia and elsewhere that actually the brain has its own lymphatic system, the waste disposal system, as it was called, and I think it is a proper definition. So the lymph coming from the brain drains into the deep cervical nodes. The deep cervical nodes are lymph nodes that are here uh, next to our carotid arteries and jugular veins. And from there, it goes into the general circulation and it is eliminated through the kidneys and liver as all the lymph. Now, uh, point is that the same uh, deep cervical nodes, so they drain the lymph coming from the nose, from the mouth, from the ears, from the throat. And it is very common to have a sore throat or to have a cold or to have some inflammation infection in our mouth, in our nose. I mean, that's extremely common. Now, uh, since the lymph coming from these anatomical organs uh, also drains in the same nodes, it is also very common to have inflamed or engorged or uh, in, enlarged the lymph nodes. I mean, that's a common occurrence. You have a bad tooth and you have an enlarged lymph node here. Nothing to be worried about, but it's very, very common. Or even you have a sore throat and again, enlarged lymph nodes because they are inflamed, actually they perform their function that is to entrap the lymph and stimulate the immune system and get rid of whatever unwanted is there. Problem is that if these lymph nodes are engorged, clogged, if you prefer, if you want uh, uh, to use a kind of hydraulic or a plumber jargon, if they are clogged, uh, the lymph from the brain cannot drain, accumulates. Now, problem is that the first brain is in a closed cavity. The skull cannot expand. And so you have accumulation of lymph inside the skull. And if you accumulate a liquid in a region that cannot expand, it exerts pressure. Pressure, inflammation, disruption of neuronal connections, disruption of the balance between the microbiota, the microbial cells, and the neuron and glial cells. So everything... Uh, uh, it goes wrong. So you may think uh, a cold or a sore throat is nothing, and it is nothing, uh, except for the fact that it blocks uh, the flow of lymph from the brain. Now, using uh, strategies like a manual lymphatic massage, uh, using uh, strategies like the Sophia Flow Cream that, uh, again, combines immune system stimulation together with the microbiome reconstitution and so on, then you can remove this clog, you can favor the lymph from the brain, and you see a number of positive effects. Dr. Antonucci, who is a specialist in autism, has published a paper uh, with uh, significant clinical results by uh, adopting this method in the context of the Ruggiero Klinger protocol. And uh, so he has seen a, a demonstrable and uh, measurable clinical improvement in children with autism using this strategy. And of course, this strategy is extremely simple, um, rather inexpensive. And so it's uh, so simple that one may wonder how it comes that uh, for centuries it has not been adopted, but this happens all the times. Can, so, can I um, ask one thing? I have wondered if congestion in the lymph compresses the vagus nerve and it impedes does. its signaling. It does. Is, uh, it absolutely does. And uh, you have the added advantage that when you practice uh, the so-called uh, lymphatic uh, drainage massage here, uh, you also practice a manual stimulation of the uh, vagus nerve. Now, with ultrasonography, as I have shown before, we can measure the flow of signals inside the nerve. And as of today, also the flow of uh, quantum signals. And so, uh, we can easily demonstrate uh, the before and after. So we measure the flow of signals inside uh, the vagus nerve before the massage, after the massage, and we can uh, demonstrate in a very objective way that we restore the conductivity of the vagus nerve. 
I really want to land on that because I don't think people understand because the lymph is so easily dismissed. By helping to move lymph flow, you alleviate congestion and remove pressure on the vagus nerve so it can function properly. So there are many things that you're doing, but I think one of the, the most amazing things that your flow cream, cream does is it helps naturally restore balance and flow. And I'm curious if it also affects um, blood flow to and from the brain. Yes, it does. Uh, I think we have a couple of uh, figures in those papers uh, published together with Dr. Klingert. It does increase uh, the venous blood flow. Uh, the arterial blood flow, unless you have a big uh, atherosclerotic plaques on your carotid arteries, uh, doesn't need to be increased. I mean, usually it works pretty well. What uh, may need to be increased is the venous, the veins, uh, like the jugular vein and all the veins inside the brain, that sometimes may have a slow flow. According to some theories, uh, some uh, neurodegenerative diseases like multiple sclerosis are due to an obstacle in the blood flow from the brain through the veins. And actually, uh, there have been interventions, surgical interventions to remove this blockade. Uh, this has been uh, uh, ostracized and criticized. I think it was an Italian researcher named Zamboni who first proposed this, and there have been uh, papers pro and uh, against, uh, I mean, a lot of debate. Whatever the case, the uh, flow cream does increase uh, the venous uh, return from the brain. And uh, as I said, I don't remember whether I showed those pictures uh, at one of the several uh, talks I gave at the Sophia Health Institute or whether it is published uh, in one of our papers. I I've lost count. And I must <laughs> confess uh, that we published- I think you've, you've done 250, you're allowed to lose count. <laughs> I, I do have another question. I know that Dr. Klinghart notices vagus nerve toxicity in 90 to 95% of his clients, and, and that means the vagus signal isn't functioning, and that can be from infections in the jaw, in the mouth, even perhaps mold. I'm curious, um, when you start to kind of improve lymph flow, I, I'm guessing that vagus nerve toxicity is, well, I'll let you speak about it, but I'd love for you to talk about vagus nerve toxicity and also how that can be healed from improved lymphatic flow. Well, um, as I said, uh, we can demonstrate this not only clinically, uh, but also uh, with imaging, with the ultrasound, uh, that we can demonstrate uh, that the flow of information inside the vagus nerve improves uh, after the manual lymphatic drainage uh, for two reasons. One is that we remove the pressure that uh, the engorged lymphatic vessels and nodes exert on the uh, vagus nerve because anatomically they are located over there. And secondly, because we manually stimulate the vagus nerve, and since the flow of information is bidirectional, we favor the flow of information from the brain to all the organs, but also from the organs and mainly from the microbes in the gut to the brain, so in this direction. So essentially, after such a lymphatic drainage massage, uh, possibly with the Sophia Flow Cream, you not only experience uh, uh, clinically or subjectively the stimulation of the uh, vagus nerve of the parasympathetic system, which is something very easy to assess. I mean, it's uh, so easy that you simply uh, measure blood pressure or uh, heart frequency and, and you can see it. I mean, it's very easy. You can do by itself with no uh, other tool than simply a chronometer and measuring the heartbeat, the frequency of the heart. Or also with a common uh, sphingomanometer that is one of those devices to measure blood pressure. And you see blood pressure goes down. Uh, and this is a clear sign of parasympathetic uh, activation. And if you want to be a little bit more sophisticated or if you want to do research, then you can measure the flow of signals inside the vagus nerve with ultrasonography, and if you want to be even more exotic, uh, the flow of quantum signals through the vagus nerve. Now, quantum entanglement, as I said, is a very complex thing, but the more we entangle our brain and our vagus nerve and our microbes, uh, the more entangled or connected, uh, if you prefer uh, to say, we are, and the better it is. Then we can discuss, and actually this will be the topic of a uh, next talk with Dr. Schaffner, uh, through biological quantum entanglement, uh, we, can, we can connect 
ourselves with other individuals at the quantum level. Uh, this explains why the ART, Autonomic Response Testing, works. And uh, we can, let me anticipate that we can now uh, expand this concept because uh, uh, applied kinesiology or, or motor rings or ART, as of today, you need uh, a very extensive training. And I would say only few gifted individuals are able to do this. They uh, naturally uh, connect at the quantum level uh, with other people. That's why they can feel if there is something wrong and what is this uh, something that is wrong. But uh, thanks uh, to some development uh, in quantum biology and uh, ultrasounds, now we can help uh, connecting uh, people at the quantum level uh, through ultrasounds, uh, neuron microtubules. I mean, uh, Let's not spoil the next seminar. No, <laughs> you're, you are always so far ahead. And I just, I'm so grateful to you and your time and your research. You've really helped, I think. I believe that the neck is the big bottleneck in healing. And if you can improve lymphatic flow, improve um, vagus nerve communication, improve blood flow, you can go a long way to improving everyone's health. So thank you so much for your time and your brilliance. Thank you. Thank you for this great opportunity. Again, uh, I realized that I was kind of rambling uh, uh, through complex topics. I apologize for this. But uh, in my excuse, I can say that uh, these uh, topics are very fascinating for me. And so sometimes I lose track uh, of my uh, uh, train thought. And uh, so uh, I'm rambling through things that I realize uh, might sound very difficult, but I'm uh, fully available to give uh, to any other information. And uh, if you want to know more about my research, uh, just go to Google Scholar, uh, type my name, and you can find all those uh, 240 some articles. So most of them, at least the, uh, those uh, published in the past five or six years are all in the public domain. We don't publish any longer in journals that require subscription or paying for looking at the articles, and they're all available. And they're, and they're amazing, and you're so far ahead. And, and thank you for sharing your brilliance. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you like this episode, please consider sharing a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body to turn on your ability to heal. This free toolkit includes a checklist, a video, and a detailed guide. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers on my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or in my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time, wishing you vibrant health.